What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieved stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Dean Ford over Zoom video. Dean was born and raised in Maine and talks about how he got into music. He started playing guitar at a very early age, but soon fell into drums and actually fell in love with playing drums. He talked about playing in his first few bands, playing drums for a cover band. Dean talked about writing his first songs, releasing his EP Control, all about his album Get Messy, and we hear all about the new EP, which is called Dream Fever. You can watch our interview with Dean on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Dean Ford. Hey, Dean, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. I'm Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music. We'll talk about the uh, EP you just released. Sounds good. Sweet, man. Um, so are you originally from Maine? Is that what I read? Yeah, I am from Maine. I am currently in Maine. Currently in Maine. Born and raised yep. there. Yep. What was that like? Um, it's uh, boring. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been good. I, I love living cold? here. Um, <laughs> it gets cold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it gets very cold. Um, pretty much have winter from December through May. Wow! And, then, and yeah, uh, and summers are it's very hot right now. So excuse my sweatiness. I All haven't good. I haven't installed my AC yet, which will be in my window for about a month, and then right back to the cold. Okay. Um, <laughs> No, I, I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit, but uh, no, summer's beautiful. Fall is my favorite here. Okay, uh, o- October and November are the absolute best in Maine. That's amazing. I've uh, my best friends from Maine. I don't know exactly what part because I met him in San Diego when he moved there, like in middle school. Um, yeah, but he's a big uh, Boston fan. He's a fan of all the Boston sports. I don't know if that's typical from being up in Maine. It can be. Okay. Yeah, it definitely we, we don't really have a lot. Go, well, we have sports here, but yeah, the a lot of the people that I know around here love the Boston teams. OK, yeah, it was, yeah. I found that interesting because I didn't know how close it was. I'm so bad with like geography of I just recently moved about two and a half years ago to Tennessee. And it's so weird being like close and driving distance, everything from being in San Diego. It's like people think California is. They don't realize that from my place in San Diego, San Francisco is like 10 hours. It's like driving up the whole entire United States. Right. So. Yeah. Um, from where I am, Boston is about two hours. Oh, not bad. Okay. Um, I, I'm in Southern Maine, but if you go like you can drive like eight hours up and you're still in Maine, but um, it's oh, definitely wow. so not- it's a fairly big state then. It's big, but it's not as big as California. 
Of yeah. <laughs> Rad. Well, what about music? Do you come from uh, an artistic household, musical household? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I come from a family that loves music. Um, and my mom always wanted to be a singer. And um, she now she never really pursued that. It was when we were growing up, it was more she would be singing karaoke bars. Oh, that's um, rad. <laughs> yeah. Um, being a little kid going to like the local bowling alley and there'd be like a bar in the back that you you would go to every Saturday and just listen to your mom sing. Um, but uh, <laughs> what were her goats too? Shania Twain, um, okay. Olivia Newton, John, Pat Benatar, that kind of stuff. And she still That's sings. Cool. Yeah. She still sings the same five songs. That's amazing. Did you ever get up there with her or um, just get up in general? Or you, did you have to kind of stand outside the, the bar bowling alley because you weren't 21 or? Well, I was so young that yeah. um, they just let me in. Um, oh, and yeah, we would do because she was her idol was always Olivia Newton-John. So um, as a little kid, it, it is funny to look back on now because of the lyrics. But um, <laughs> yeah. when uh, I would do duets with her and we would sing like, you're the one that I want from Greece and <laughs> Summer Lovin'. And then you look back on it. It's like, huh? OK, yeah. Weird singing that with my mom when I was right. like, six years old. But um, it was a blast. she loved it. I loved it. Um, and she's singing in the church band now. So that it's great to see her still doing it. Oh, that's awesome. Did you grow up in the church and were you part of like the worship band? Yeah, um, didn't really. Uh, we we got into it more when I was um, like a preteen. Um, and I I've sent, I don't really attend church anymore, at least not regularly. Sure. But um, yeah, when I was. Uh, my later teens, I played drums in the worship team with my mom singing. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering because I've, I've interviewed a lot of artists that kind of start out in the, in the church you know, worship band or whatever, because, I mean, not only are you getting a lot of experience playing with people and playing a lot, but you're you're playing to an audience, like a guaranteed audience almost. Right. <laughs> right. And there, there's like a there's a lot more behind it too. And it's um, some churches I find are, you know, they're way more serious about the perfectionism and the professionalism. And then other churches are just more um, laid back. And like my, my mother's church is more like anybody who wants to be on the team and worship for the Lord can. Okay. And um, that, that can give mixed results. Um, <laughs> sure. There's no but real it, tryouts, sir. <laughs> right. Let you on. That's but funny. I mean, either way, like in the, you know, if the congregation is um, like they, they get it and they love it. They just love seeing people up there in the spirit and doing yeah, their thing. Excited and, about it. Yeah. Um, so you said you play drums. Did you start on drums? Is that your first instrument? Nope. My uh, my first real instrument was guitar. Okay. Um, How old were you when you started playing guitar? Like five or six years old when I started oh, wow. trying. Yeah. Um, okay. my, fir my first, so uh, um, in the town next to where I was raised, um, there was a dump and they had a part of the dump where people would leave things. It was called the swap shop. 
um, okay. where you'd kind of just like it was the things that wasn't really trash, but um, like somebody else could find a use for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first guitar I found there, it was like it, completely unplayable acoustic guitar. Sure. Um, but that was my first guitar and I spray painted, spray painted it gold. <laughs> and um, a few years later, I smashed it when I was going through my punk face. Oh, that's um, awesome. Do you have any footage of that or is it just you just did it? I just had anger issues and like did, didn't really. Yeah. No. As most I wish teens I, or preteens. <laughs> yeah. I wish I still had it. I, I Unfortunately, that was kind of a, a thing that I did with a lot of my old instruments. They're no longer here. Unfortunately, I wish. Oh, you'd wish smash them? Either smash them or trade them in. Well, I didn't smash them all. Um, oh. I was gonna say but, that's pretty awesome. You just break broke all of them. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm gonna get a new guitar. Smash. I'd either <laughs> I, Yeah, every single time. No, um, I would either destroy it by just pure brutality, or I'd take it apart to try to create something else. Mm-hmm. Um, or just like I didn't know what I was doing and I ended up ruining a lot of a lot of things, but like I'd take it apart put two different guitars together just try to i don't know what was going on in my mind but um it's something that i did a lot i'd just take a like a a stratocaster and try to combine it with a les paul and just things like that's that. cool and, though yeah just kind of get they're probably different sounds than anyone else would be able to get just you know at a, a a guitar or an amplifier or anything like that yeah, I mean, uh, it didn't really go according to plan, but um, it, it was it was cool to the you know the experience of it was pretty pretty fun um, for sure. But so you started guitar very early. Then did you continue just, to play like, or after you realized maybe that guitar wasn't the best, uh, or you smashed it? Like, how like were you into it right away? Was it something you're like, okay, this is really fun. I'm going to continue to play it. No, um, okay. I mean, I, I want, it wasn't fun. And, um, I, I went to guitar lessons, kicking and screaming, um, like just did not the, like that, that initial couple of years of learning the instrument, just, this should be easy. Like I want to do it. So I should be able to do it. Isn't that what guitar lessons is about? Like I sit in and I, I do a 30 minute lesson and I should know how to play it. Um, I had no rhythm at all. My uh, guitar teacher and my music teacher at school, like were just constantly on me about tapping my foot, um, counting. And it just, it was brutal. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn. I wanted the end result, but the getting there, it took about two years for me to be like, okay, I like it now and I'm enjoying it. And I just had to force my, or my parents had to force me to get through that initial hurdle. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they did. Yeah. You know, even today, if I go a few months without playing guitar, I don't forget how to play it, but it's just, it becomes like, I have to build calluses again. Um, like when, when COVID hit, I didn't really touch my guitar for, quite a while 
And when I picked it back up, I was like, oh man, I suck. Like, have I ever been able, like, what was I thinking? I can't play anything that I thought that I could play before. And then you just build it back up and it comes back. But when you stopped playing guitar, what did you switch to a different instrument or uh, were you not doing music? Um, initially, I just needed a break because mm-hmm. um, I, I was playing so me, I was playing so many shows. I was constantly on the road that anytime I was home, I my equipment would not leave my van. I wouldn't bring it in. I wouldn't touch it. I would just sit on the couch and watch horror movies. And um, that, that was about that was like the first half of COVID for me it was like, OK, I don't have to do this right now, so I'm not going to. But then when I got back into it, yeah, I didn't pick up the guitar right away. I went to the keyboard and I went to the drums and that that was pretty much where I is. I wanted to play again, but I wanted to play for myself. I wanted to play in a different way and explore different things. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I did. And eventually I picked the guitar back up. Got it. When did you were you? Like what from guitar? Is that when you started playing drums after that? Or did you, did you play piano or like what was your kind of progression as far as instruments went? Um, I think it was it was guitar to drums. Um, and basically with drum, drums was a different story. Guitar took me because because I like I had all the fundamentals and I had spent so much time working on my rhythm because mm-hmm. that was such a that that was like my weak point. So that ended up becoming my strength out of like I've never been a shredder. I've been more of a rhythm guy. And um, so I think I was it was it was probably nine or ten years old when I started playing drums and um I uh, went to the library one day and I rented a drum instruction video and I set up my drums in the garage, set up a, it was a VHS tape I rented, um, set up a, the VCR and the TV in the garage as loud as I could possibly have it. And I just played along for the entire day. And by the next day I could play a simple drum groove and um, just got addicted and just very quickly picked up the drums and um that though it's not my first instrument i think it's like my it's that's my instrument Mm -hmm. i don't really play as often as i like to um but that's the one that every time i play i just completely lose myself okay and did you start aside from the church band were you did you start your own bands or were you interested in writing your own music at that point or did that yeah. come later in life um the 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 church band came way after um oh, okay the the bands started first i was in my first band when i was like nine and um, wow how do, i mean how do you get people together at nine that are good enough to play that's crazy you don't <laughs> You don't. You get a bunch of people. You, everybody wants to be the guitar player, for one sure. thing. Um, everybody wants to be the singer. Nobody can play. Um, and it, it was really hard. I went through a lot of it because I wanted music immediately was my thing. And with all my other friends, like their thing was karate or their mm-hmm. thing was lacrosse or their thing was something entirely different, generally sports. And I was not a sports guy. I am not a sports guy. I will never be a sports guy. <laughs> no, 
nothing against it. I'm just, I'm tall, lanky, and just awkward. That's the first thing I'm talking to you about is like sports teams from Boston. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I don't know anything about sports. Um, never have, but, uh, um, yeah, no, I, it was not easy and I got kicked out of like every band I was in when I was a kid. Cause I was just, I was a, a menace, like very, cause I was serious about it. Right. And I had an ego, like nobody's business. I had my, my amplifier would be louder than the whole band. Um, my voice would be louder than the whole band. And I, every time we'd practice, they'd be turning me down and just, it, then I very quietly got kicked out of my first band, which was called Split Vision. Um, yeah. You quietly got kicked out? They just continued to play and what, stopped calling you? Yeah, nobody told me. And oh, I, that's a bummer. Yeah, nobody told me. They, 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 well, they all were like, I, I don't remember exactly how it happened. I was very young, but it was basically like they just stopped inviting me to practice or I'd call and they say that they're too busy. And then I found out was like, come on guys like it was it broke my heart broke my little i bet yeah yeah um yeah so when do you uh, i mean aside from those early early bands like when you're in high school or anything do you form a band or were you when do you start writing your own songs like when did that all start well i started writing my songs um i started writing some they weren't good songs but i started writing songs before i even started playing guitar Um, oh wow okay and well, like, you know, like you'd be a little kid taking a shower and just humming something. And then you write these terrible lyrics to it. And then you run downstairs and sing it to your mom. And she's so proud of you. Um, Not and- a lot of kids do that, though. So that's really rad that you obviously have always wanted to or were always doing that. I don't know, man. It's just always because it, like I and it's weird to me when I hear like that truth which is totally true it's weird to me because it's so normal to me and it's been my life my whole life that anytime i'm playing a song to somebody or like talking about music and i start talking about like so you know what's going on in this part like hold on let's rewind it listen to that you hear that thing going on in the background and they're like dude let me listen to the song or (laughs) like my my girlfriend gets so mad at me because I just I listen to music in such an analytical way. And it makes me so excited when I catch these little tricks um, and everybody around me hates it. And- <laughs> I'm the same way, though. I love nerding out on like the little things that you'll hear in a song. It's like, oh, wow, that's so rad. And then most people are like, what? <laughs> like they don't even hear yeah. it or care to hear it. But at the same time, I wish that I could listen to music like that. I wish that I could just, I can't even watch movies like that anymore. Um, I wish that I could just listen to a song and hear the song Mm -hmm. and not hear the harmonies and not hear the extra percussion that's happening and not hear the amount of reverb that is over here. And like, you know, I wish that I could, I wish I was dumb. Like, (laughs) Like, I don't mean that insultingly, but I wish right. that I could listen to music like I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, like um, you're unaware of what's really happening. Because it used to be magic, right? Uh-huh. Like, everything is a magic trick until you figure out how it 
works, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, like you, once you see behind the curtain, you're like, oh, this isn't as cool as right. I thought it was, or it's oh, I I I can break this down more so than I would have right. before. Like before, you could really, oh my gosh, how is this all happening? And then when you can kind of figure it out, it's like, oh, that's doing this or this. But I mean, yeah. that's still pretty amazing to be able to pick that stuff out, right? I mean, especially for your own music. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and and that's another thing that my girlfriend gets upset about. Like when I will be like, I think we, we went to, if, if we go to a, um, if we go anywhere and I'm like, Oh my God, I know how they're doing that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to start doing it otherwise. And um, I'm going to use that in my show. And it's just like, cool let's like that's really cool dean it's like sorry sorry i'm doing it again sorry that's funny um but so once you started like what was kind of the before you're you know this project that you're doing like in high school did did you the band that you were in did you guys you said sounds like you played a bunch of shows but like did you end up then graduating going to, to school for music or was that a band that you stayed in for a while beforehand or like, what did um, that look like? I did not go to school for music. Um, I thought about it, but kind of along the lines of what I was just saying about the, when, when the magic goes away, um, when I was in high school, I took music theory classes and I was in concert band and all of that stuff. And um, the more that I learned music theory the more it just kind of took away and like, it's important. You don't need to know music theory, but if you do know music theory, it helps. Um, But yeah, I decided that I didn't really want to, I didn't want to go to school for it because I didn't want to take away like the, I wanted to just figure it out myself Mm -hmm. and just do it my own way. Even if I didn't really know what I was doing, um, and hindsight, uh, I kind of wish that I had gone to school for it. But um, at the same time, I'm glad I didn't because I've had a lot of opportunities and I've learned a lot um, just by being in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, the bands, I could never really keep a band together because um, it, like, it was just always that same problem of... So one of the big problems that I have in Maine is there's a very tight community of musicians and um, I've never really fit into any group. I've never really fit in with any clique or whatever. Um, Still don't. And uh, so I was always kind of on the outside and everybody I was playing with was playing with everybody else. And so, and that, that's, that's great. And I, I love that. I love that the community is so tight knit and um, it just becomes a problem when your drummer is everybody else's drummer. Oh, right. They get the pick of the litter, so to speak. They can play with anyone. Right. And because they're playing with everybody, it kind of like, it, it affects your schedule. It affects their schedules. And it's very hard because like when, when you're trying to do it seriously and you're the people that you're working with are, they're doing it seriously, but it's like a, 
they're more of like a pickup guy mm-hmm. and um it just it becomes very difficult so um that was one of the reasons i ended up having to go solo because okay. when you're you know when you're just the only person that you have to rely on it's a lot easier right right so once you go solo uh well like at what age were you or when did that start like when i guess when did this project start i went solo when i was 17 i think 16 or 17 so So, while i figured that well again like i said i used to have a big ego um still have an ego it's not as like i'm it's still there but i'm much more aware of it now right and we kind of have to in a creative field right i mean the totally or like at least the confidence. Yeah. And I mean, like if I said I didn't have an ego, I'd be lying. Like it's my name on the t-shirt is my name. <laughs> right. on, it's, it's my face on every album cover. Um, so, you know, it's, I'm honest about it. Some people aren't. Um, but uh, yeah, I went solo when I was a teenager Cause like I said, the bands just weren't working out and, um, I just needed to keep making music and just be busy and as busy as possible. And I always ran into problems aside of that. I always ran into problems with, um, working with like basically all front men mentality where everybody in the band was a songwriter. Everybody in the band wanted to be the producer. Everybody in the band wanted just as much control over what it sounded like or what it said. And when you're the guy paying for the studio session, when you're the guy running the show, and when you're the guy that doesn't want to ruffle feathers, it kind of gets difficult. Mm -hmm. And so... I just stopped being in bands and I stopped writing with other people because like I heard something in my head and I wanted that to be what it sounded like. Now that said, if somebody else in the band had written the song, they get to wear that hat. They get to be the one that determines what it sounds like. But I just never had a group of people that um, could work in that way, at least not back then. Um, where I'm older now, where the people that I work with are much more mature um, than when you're teenagers. Sure. It, it, it can be a lot. Like, I like collaborating now. Back then, mm-hmm. it was pretty hard. But these days, I enjoy it. I, I, because, you know, everybody has a different... Like, I can play all the instruments, but, ev- like, I can't play it the way that you can. I can't play it the way that this guy can. And they... they um, any of these people that I play with, they have a way of speaking that I don't. And I really like what everybody adds. Yeah. To the unless song un- unless yeah. I don't, unless I don't like it. And if I don't like it, then I won't <laughs> yeah. uh, so you put out your first, what uh, project in 2012 control. Um, or was there way, there was stuff way before that? There was, that there I, that's was, the only one I have. I'm I'm looking at as as far as like your online was, discography goes. Yeah, that was the first one that I I released where I had figured out what I was doing. Um, I've put out a number of EPs prior to that, but they're all very different things because they, they they all kind of function like mixtapes more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 
that was the one where I decided that I was going to do like dance pop music. I was going like I figured out the persona. I'd figured out the sound that I wanted to go for. Because before that, it was like acoustic stuff or heavy rock stuff or like um, 70s power pop stuff and just throwing paint around and figuring it out. But yeah, um, Control or CTRL uh, was the first like where it was like, okay, this is Dean Ford. This is what I am. And it's kind of just been um, developing ever since. Then. Yeah. That you find a found. It sounds like you found your voice and what you wanted to do with that record. Exactly. And with, when you put that out and everything, were you um, playing a lot of shows around Maine? Did you t- tour outside of there? Like uh, how did, what was kind of like the next, after you put that out, was there like a milestone that you had that you could remember going into your next release? Yeah, um, when I put that out, I was opening for a lot of bigger shows in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, di- I didn't really do much outside of Maine during that period. Um, something in like New Hampshire here and there. But uh, I was opening for, uh, let, let's see, I did I did a show with Fitz and the Tantrums. Oh, cool. Um, and then I opened for Panic at the Disco um, at one of the bigger, it was a sold out show in my first huge of that level um, show. I think it was around 1900 people there. Um, And I think this was, this was like read in 2012. Um, It was amazing. That was like, and that week leading up to it, I did all this radio stuff and I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. I'm doing, I'm doing this is finally working. And I, I rode that wave for a couple of years um, and started building off of that and developing my own fan base and um, my own thing. And that, that was pretty incredible. Yeah. And then you, a couple of years later is that you put out Get Messy. Yep. Yep. Um, and that, like all the songs that were on Get Messy were pretty much written during that time period with the when I did Control. Uh-huh. Um, I think those songs were written, some of them were written before that EP because I just, I wanted to do an EP and then I wanted to build up, um, I wanted to like fill the canon, so to, so to speak, um, of things to release after. Um, so I wrote like 20 something songs and whittled it down over between 2012 and 2013 um, to 10 songs that would end up being get messy. Okay. And from there, I mean, it's been a, a minute since you put like a whole project out um, yeah. from like 2015. And uh, were you just kind of touring or playing off of those, those songs up until what, like the pandemic, it sounded like you're playing a ton of shows and then that happened. So you kind of took a break uh 2020 ish so i completely stopped playing original music uh, oh oh is yeah. that when you started the prince project yeah so okay so yeah sorry go ahead <laughs> telling your story no no i love it <laughs> i i love it i love it yeah the uh the prince project oh there you go that's rad um so I almost didn't even put out Get Messy because that that whole thing was, like I said, it was written and recorded pretty much by the end of 2013. And um, I, for whatever reason, it just took a while to get it out. And um, in between finishing it 
and finally releasing it, um, I started playing music less for myself and more to make money um, because I didn't want to get a real job. I just wanted to um, I wanted to just hone my craft and also make a living doing it. So I joined I played drums in a cover band called Tickle. Um, <laughs> That's a cool name. It's, it's a name. Um, <laughs> now they're great. They're a great, a great band. Um, I, so I was, they're like a top 40 pop band. And that was my first taste at playing in a cover band. Um, and like, I had played cover shows before, but that was my first time doing it for like, this is just what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and a friend of mine was like, okay, look, it's great that you're doing that. Just know that if you do that, there's a chance that you might lose a little bit of your drive to do your own stuff. And you might just like, just keep, just stay aware of that and make sure that doesn't happen. It happened. And <laughs> um, I, I, it, yeah, it, it totally happened. And because like real, I'm, my timeline is getting all confused. Um, a few years before that, right when I released the first EP, um, Control, when I released it, the CD release show was a, um, it was something called Cover to Cover, where a band would play their original music and then they would do a set of an album front to back of their choosing. I chose Purple Rain. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, that's a bold, bold choice. <laughs> I, I told you I had an ego. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I knew it was bold. I knew that it was like, because everybody's like, dude, don't do Prince. I was like, I'm doing Prince. <laughs> um, so I did it. And I but like over the course of those years leading up to when I joined Tickle, I would do it here and there. Because that first Prince tribute show went so well. It was so much fun. Um, We put so much work into learning all those songs that we didn't just want to do it one time. And um, but like we we couldn't do it all the time because you can't do something that niche in one spot is like, okay, they're doing Purple Rain again. You can't do it every week. Um, So we would do it. I started something called Purple Brains, which was a um, Halloween show where this would be, I don't know if we're going to do it this year, but this would be the 11th year doing it. I think excluding COVID, it would be like Mm -hmm. the 12th year if not for COVID, but um, yeah. So I did it every Halloween. And when I joined tickle, I started learning a lot more about what goes into the booking of the shows and all of that stuff. And I basically, um, I was like, okay, I don't want to do Tickle anymore. I want to do the print show because I just think that there's a lot more that I could do with it. And it's a lot more fun. And it's just, it's a blast. So I ended up just doing that. And that became just what I do. And my, up until 2020, that was just what I was doing. And um, just doing the print span. And like occasionally I would do one or two original shows if like a a proper opening slot came up. But aside from that, it was it was doing so well and it was getting so much better 
and we were adding so many things to the show um just as, as far as the actual show the choreography the band members um the costumes just everything about it it just became like this thing that i could only focus on mm-hmm. and then with that it got to a point where i was playing music so much to go back to what i said at the beginning um where I was playing music so much and I was playing only Prince music, I got burnt out and like never stopped loving it. And I'm still doing it. I love doing it, but um, I got burnt out and just did not, when I was home, I didn't want to play music. When I was home, I didn't want to listen to Prince. Um, it's, it's just always there. Uh, so yeah. when we got that call that, okay, we have to start canceling shows. I was relieved and, it was like, okay, sweet. I finally get a break. I can finally be okay with just stepping away from this. And so I did. And then about four months later, I started writing music again. And um, here we are. Was there something that like kind of inspired you to start back up? Or was it like, okay, this pandemic thing might be lasting a lot longer than we uh, are anticipating and you probably made a lot of that money off, at least from the Prince thing, obviously was the live shows. Yeah. And so not having that to, to do, did that kind of spark, okay, I should get back into writing my own music or was there something else or did you just get bored or. Um, honestly, it was, I just, I listened to an album that. So as bad as it might sound, um, when this is like March 2020, mm-hmm. um, I I deleted every print song that I had from my Spotify. Um, like I did not listen to it at all. And I didn't want to listen to anything, not because I didn't like it, but because I just needed a break. Right. Um, and I started listening to completely different music um, just to cleanse my palate and just be like, okay, I can listen to what I want to listen to now. So I'm going to. And, um, no, there was no plan. I just, I listened to one record like 20 times and was like, this is scratching every itch that I have. This is inspiring me. I want to do something like this. And, um, just like one day I picked up a bass guitar and I sat in my room at like, I don't know, like 1145 at night and just started playing this riff for no other reason than to just sit there and play a riff. And then it turned into a song and I was like, okay, I wrote a song. I can still write songs. Let's keep writing songs. So the next day I wrote another song and then what, what song was later, that? You don't mind. Um, it's a, it make the EP. No, it's not released yet. Um, okay. Pretty much everything that I wrote during that, first just burst of songwriting is not released yet um the okay. stuff that the stuff that i wrote after that um that i collaborated with uh blue macaulay on that stuff is out but like the 25 songs that i wrote on my own just in this room completely alone those are not out yet um okay. and they're they're wacky they're <laughs> they're very different than the dream fever ep um they're still pop, but I, like I said, I was 
just trying to do whatever felt good when it felt good. So like some of it leans into metal, some of it leans into funk, some of it leans into hip hop, some of it leans into country, some of it leans into Broadway. Um, it's just all over. Yeah, it's all <laughs> over the place. Um, it, it was basically like me just purging mm-hmm. and just um, it's my own little jukebox of like what I would listen to. It's my own radio station, basically. Okay. What was the album that you were listening to? You said you listened to an album like 20 times through. Um, Poppy. Uh, the album is called I Disagree. Oh, I, I know the artist Poppy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was obsessed with that album for a while. And, okay. Uh, it's just because like it did, it did, it was everything that I love on one record. And like, the some of the songs were just like 10 different genres in three minutes and it's like okay like i've i've heard stuff like that before like i'm a big fan of like mr bungle and Mm -hmm. um those more experimental stuff things but when you hear more or less a mainstream artist to some degree um not exactly mainstream but um yeah, kind of mainstream, but uh, <laughs> when uh, when you hear some, it it just it just worked for me. Right. It's like okay, you can do this and still have it sound like radio rock. You can do this and still have it sound somewhat commercial, um, and you can do this and have it sound digestible. And so that just you know just lit a fire for me. Sure. And so once you kind of wrote all these songs it sounds like you were like 20 25 songs um when do you just like how do you then begin dream fever how do you link up with with the producer and all that stuff um so like i said i didn't really have a plan um Mm -hmm. i I was just having fun and um i there was one day that um and so there was one day that I was just um, I was listening to music on Spotify, and I, so I've been a fan of Blue for many many years. Um, we had never met. Um, we had spoken through like Twitter one time, like twelve thirteen years ago. Wow! But um, aside from that, I've never met the guy, but I've just been a fan of his music, and. Um, I found one of his albums on Spotify that I'd never heard before, listened to it, and it's just like, this is not what I thought Blue was. This sounds nothing like anything that he's ever done. I love this. This is like very much where I am right now. And, you know, um, I wasn't doing anything. Nobody was really doing anything. Everybody wanted to do something. And so I just sent him a message on Instagram saying, Hey, I don't know what you're doing right now, but um, I'd love to collaborate. And like, I, I sent that message to a few people that I was interested in working with. And he hit me back and um, we got on the phone, talked about what it was that I wanted to do, what it was he was willing to do. And then a few months later, we, 
got on Zoom and we did our first session. And um, that's when we wrote Crazy Maker. And um, it just went so well. Like we hit it off. Like I felt immediately like, okay, we're on the same wavelength. We came, we come from the same school. Um, and we just kept like every couple months, we'd do another session. And um, we did that from, I, I think we started working together February, 2021 through the end of the year. And um, then the, or no, through to, through the next year. And um, the whole EP just kind of fell together. And it all, like, even though the sessions were done like months apart, it just, there was just this thread through all the songs and it just felt like they worked together thematically, musically, the whole vibe, everything. And ended up because the whole time until we hit like song four, I didn't really know what it was going to be. And then I was like, okay, cool. This is an EP. Like, and so there it is. Amazing. Yeah. I love, I like the uh, EP a lot. I think VHS is my favorite song on the, on the EP. And then I also saw, which is, I've had Chris to make some podcast before, and I saw that he featured that song. Like, I just noticed that the other day that you had that, uh, that he put it in one of his episodes. Yeah, man. I was actually podcast. I was just listening before I got on this with you. I was just listening to the newest episode of Chris to makes a podcast. It, I love that. I love that show. Um, and that, that yeah, was it's really cool. Cause he breaks down songs, right. With artists, like, uh, if, how the song, basically one song right they sit through and and go through one song yeah i love that i absolutely love that um yeah no that that's one of my favorite podcasts i love i love what he does and hearing my song on that was really cool that's amazing man. especially since that's the only song i did not co-write that is the only song on that ep that i wrote alone and recorded right here is that right wow yeah that's my favorite one on the the ep thank it's, you it, yeah when because i i listened to the ep through a few times i'm like oh wow this is I, my favorite one is vhs i like the the whole ep and then yeah. when i was just kind of pre doing some research on you before this conversation i saw that yeah you had the graphic on your instagram of krista makes a podcast and i went there yeah. and i saw that you said that he featured it i was like oh that's amazing how <laughs> yeah so that's um, really cool man no, and it's cool too because um, I think that's Blue's favorite song on the EP too, and he did not write it. Um, wow, that's really so, interesting. Yeah, I mean that that that's one of those things where it's just like, job well done. Like, thank sure. you. Like, it, it's reassuring. Um, it, you know, when you're co-writing with somebody and you bring a song to the table that they had nothing to do with, and they tell you that it's their favorite song, like. Pretty awesome. Yeah, that's got to be huge validation. And the songs that he, and the artists that he's worked with. I mean, oh yeah, Demi Lovato and uh, Jonas Brothers and all these other people. That he's oh yeah. For, so that's really rad. Um, are you doing anything to support the EP? As far as like, are you doing t- a tour? Are you going to play a bunch of shows? Um, we're doing some- one. <laughs> yeah, we're we're doing some shows. Um, not not a whole lot. Um, as far as touring right now, but we we have some things bubbling um we're doing a few shows with the pop 2000s tour um 
with O-Town and um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, and it, it's super cool because I've had the I've had the opportunity to open for O-Town a couple of times. Um, and uh, Ryan Cabrera, who's also on the show, I played with him before as well. Um, so it's it'll be cool. And I'm, I'm really excited about um, like Chris Kirkpatrick from NSYNC being the host because like NSYNC was one of the reasons why I even started doing music to begin with. Is that uh, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to I'm not going to tell you that it was like Led Zeppelin that <laughs> like, <laughs> as much as I love that as well no it was george michael and uh queen and in sync in backstreet boys that made me want to be a musician that's amazing yeah chris chris back uh he did uh I, like it was around christmas time my family and i went we're in nashville now we went to uh the gaylord Opryland. like um it was like it's like this big uh hotel and they have they have a bunch of christmas stuff going on and he was there like doing some christmas song thing he just did a bunch of christmas songs i was like holy cool. shit like that's the guy from nsync like, this yeah. is wild yeah. <laughs> that dude can sing oh dude yeah he like, can yeah that guy <laughs> that guy can sing for sure that's really cool man well i appreciate your time today thank you so much for doing this dean yeah thank you for having me man yeah i got one more for you before i let you go i want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists Bake it till you make it. I just, I mean, that, that, that's, that's what, that, that's it for me, man. Like if somebody asks if you can do something, tell them, yeah, and learn how to do it and just like go. I don't know. I'm not good with advice. I've never been that's good with great advice. advice, though. I dig that. Thank you so much. Fake it till you make it. I like that. Yeah. Fake it till you make it, man.